Good morning. Welcome to worship. Glad that you are here with us today as we are gathered in the house of the Lord to glorify our God. A few announcements before we get started here. In your bulletins, we've got the tear-off section. If you're a guest, please fill that blue side out. Put it in the offering plate as it goes by. We'll have a record of your attendance, so glad you're here with us. And then the yellow side is a place for prayer requests. So please put any prayer requests you may have. We will pray for you in our staff meeting on Monday mornings and are delighted to do that each and every week. A few other things before we have our VBS time, which we're excited about. Um, The Women on Missions meeting Tuesday is at 10.30, not at 10 o'clock, like it says in the bulletin. So please make note of that, 10.30 on Tuesday, Women on Mission. Um, And in your touchstone this past week was a link for the music minister uh, search survey. So please take time to fill that out as we know that team is looking for everyone's participation and involvement for that. It will be emailed as well, so if you can look at the touchstone from this week and do that, if not, there will be other opportunities for you to share about our music search. Keep that team and keep that process in prayer. Um, And before VBS things happen, I'm going to make a mention as well. We have Stephen Manley here today. Where's Stephen? Stephen's right over here, and he's a guest of Linda. He served in Mechanicsville churches as a choir director, a musician, and singer, and he's currently a member at Northside Baptist. Stephen has graciously agreed to lead us in worship for our service today, so make him feel welcome, and we are delighted that you all are here gathered today. VBS? Good morning. We had a great week at VBS. We went on a fantastic treasure hunt, and we found that the greatest treasure is Jesus Christ on earth and in heaven. And our excited young folks down here are going to be singing a song for you. We have some VBS kids, but I did want to give you just a short report. We met from Sunday through Thursday. We had 67 children enrolled in Bible school this year, which I think is fantastic. We had 22 adults attend, adult VBS, and we also had 40 workers this year. So that brings me to my next point. Any of you that helped with Bible school this year, thank you so very much. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I could not have done this alone, and it just turned out fantastic. Everybody stepped up from cooking to being with the children to dressing in pirate costumes to doing crafts. Um, I think we all were very blessed, and, and I hope the children were as well. So we have a short PowerPoint to show you, um, and then the children are going to come up and sing one of their Bible school songs.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your goodness and for your love and for your mercy. And God, for a wonderful week of Vacation Bible School, we do give you praise and we glorify your name for those workers, for those children, for all those helpers. And we just trust that as we teach and share and proclaim the name of Jesus, that you would do good things uh, through uh, the lives of those who you've touched. God, I lift up this service to you. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would dwell, that you would be magnified and glorified in this place. And may we honor you in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Our hymn of invocation this morning is number 170, Oh How He Loves You and Me. Please stand with me and sing.
Jesus in the upper room with his disciples gave to them these elements as a reminder of his great love for them. He did so that they would know that they were loved because it wouldn't be too long after their time in the upper room that things would become quite chaotic and the disciples would need to know that they were loved. And what better way to show someone you love them than by your willingness to die for them? And so Jesus gave them the reminder of the bread and the cup so that they would always know that God valued them and that he loved them. And so we are reminded today as we hold in our hands these elements of God's love for us. For his willingness to send his son to die so that we could have life. And because we have Jesus, we know we are loved. And so on the same night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had broken it and blessed it, he gave it to his disciples and said, For as often as you eat this, remember me. After they had received the bread, they took the cup. And Jesus said, This is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, remember me. Paul reminds us that as for often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Our offertory hymn this morning is number 107, Love Lifted Me. If ever there was a hymn to stand on, this is it. Stand up, stand with me and sing. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. All my heart to him I give, ever his him I cling. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, nourished by soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service to to him belongs. 
lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, at this point in our services, we receive our tithes and offerings. I thank you not only for the opportunity, but the privilege that we can come and worship together as a church family this morning. As we read in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, we give you thanks for everything. And these offerings and tithes we're about to receive, we give back to you in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Now we pray. Eternal God, as we bow in your presence, we give thanks for the opportunity to be together and to bow and pray. To know, Father, that you have called on us to pray gives to us assurance and hope. We confess our sins before you, Father, and ask for forgiveness as we approach your throne of grace. We are grateful, Father, that as we read your word and as we feel the power of the presence of the Spirit in our lives, that we know that we are loved by you. That we matter. And that we count. We're grateful, Father, that as we journey through life, we know that you walk with us encouraging us, ministering to us, showing us the way. And for this we give thanks. We pray, Father, that as we gather in this place today that we might listen for a fresh word from you. We pray that you will accept our praise and our adoration. And we pray, Father, that we might listen For your voice. We're grateful for your word. And for its power. We're thankful Father for Bible school last week. And for the opportunity to share the message of salvation and love with our children. We're grateful that we have a story to tell. We're thankful for the willingness of your people. To hear the call. And come forward and work together so that we could share with one another. We pray this morning, Father, for those of our church family who are ill and even hospitalized. We know, Father, that they have difficulties. And so we pray for healing. But as we pray, we submit them to your will, knowing, Father, that your will is what's best for us even when it's difficult for us to see. We're grateful, Father, that as we pray, we also know that you are with those who have lost loved ones. The void and the pain and the grief of loss sometimes seems unbearable. And yet we know that you can bring comfort and your love can fill those voids in some ways. We're thankful, Father, for our missionaries, for their work here and around the world. We pray that you will bless them, provide for their needs. 
Help us, Father, to ever keep them before us. As we seek to remember the sacrifices they are making. We pray, Father, that you will be with our church as we move forward into the future. Work through us so that others might know. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you, Stephen, for sharing with us this morning and leading us in music. And thank you, Linda, for inviting your friend to be with us today. Uh, We are grateful for our times together. Our scripture this morning is found in the 12th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, verses 28 through 31. Jesus responding to one of the scribes who had a question. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Many people suffer the pain of self-hatred and live each day with a feeling of intense worthlessness. This lack of a proper love for self makes true love of others impossible. In the two great commandments of our scripture reading, we find condensed in capsule form the today duty of each person to God and to one another. These two commandments are invitations that enrich life, not rules that impoverish life. For the measure of our love for self is the measure of love we are to express toward our neighbor. Jesus made it very clear. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if we have a low view of self, we will have a low view, a low and critical view of others. R. Lofton Hudson says, when a man does not love himself, he cannot love his fellow man. And when he does not understand God's love, he does not know how to love himself. Mark's story is of a scribe who has been listening to Jesus. The scribe was quite apparently a Pharisee, for he was pleased and impressed with Jesus' response to the Sadducees in an earlier discourse. We must remember the tension and scornful prejudice that often were present between these two parties. Specifically on the question of the reality or the possibility of resurrection. The question about the most important commandment was one which the scribes themselves debated. They commonly discussed which law was relatively weightier than another. Jesus' answer was bold and absolute. The first commandment was the one with which the Shema began and which the devout Hebrew was expected to recite three times a day. Although the first clause is not a command in itself, the obligation to love God stems from the fact of His oneness and from the fact that Israel was chosen by Him in covenant love. God loved them and formed a covenant with them to be His people so that they in turn could put into practice the second of the greatest commandments to love your neighbor as yourself. 
This passage makes it very clear that love for God must be supreme. In the New Testament, emphasis emphasis usually falls on God's love for us and on our love for others in accord with this divine, unselfish, outgoing quest for good. We know that he divides it up and tells us that we are to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. The heart is, in Hebrew idiom, the center of our thinking. The soul is thought of as the fount of our will and feelings. The word translated mind means understanding or intelligence. Strength emphasizes the physical power and being of a person. You must love the Lord with your whole self, without reservation. But I would submit to you that you cannot love the Lord in the way that we're called to love here until we have an understanding of how He loves us. Because He reached out to us first. And He shows us the way of love through His Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. He showed us how far His love for us was willing to go. He showed us that we were of value to Him. And if we are of value to God, then we should be of value to ourselves, and that in turn will make us understand the need to love one another. Jesus' concept of neighbor was certainly much broader than that of many scribes, as Luke chapter 10 shows. You know the story of when the question was asked of who is my neighbor? And he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. There is no special exhortation from Jesus to love oneself in this command. He could assume that one did care for his own person. But a person must love others in the same way. One of the difficulties in today's world is the fact that people do not have a proper love for self. Addiction and suicide are widespread in our society and human life has been devalued in many ways. We see it all the time, don't we? I heard a disturbing report just this past week of how that the suicide rate among teenagers 15 to 19 years old has skyrocketed in percentage since 2000. A lot of it has to do with self-worth. And how they are perceived or how they perceive that others are perceiving them. We live in a society that will not allow us to make mistakes. And when we make mistakes, they are called out and we are humiliated for them. And because of that, many people no longer value themselves. But what are some symptoms that indicate this lack of proper love for self? Because I really believe that we cannot put into practice this great commandment until we understand that we must love ourselves. And we can't truly understand what it means to love ourselves until we come to the understanding that God values us enough to die for us. As I said, Jesus' concept of neighbor was certainly much broader than that of many scribes. There is no special exhortation in these verses for, by Jesus to love oneself because Jesus assumes that one did care for his own person. But a person must love others in the same way. But what are 
some symptoms. First, do you have a habitual tendency to belittle yourself? To always speak poorly of your person. Do you find within yourself a refusal to believe in your own ability and worth? Do you regularly hesitate to attempt that which is new or difficult? Are you characterized by a feeling of loneliness and alienation from others? Do you find that you have a tendency to escape from reality through artificial means such as drugs and alcohol that many people turn to? And we need not even mention the opioid crisis that goes on in all of our communities in this country. Are you characterized by continuing flight from one place to another and from one situation to another? And then the final one, do you have suicidal thoughts? There are people today who are contemplating taking their own life. Maybe not in this room, but there are people whose self-worth is so low and who feel that no one understands and no one loves them to the point that they don't love themselves and they seek to destroy their own life. But God values our lives. He values our lives enough to save us from our sins. He understands that we make mistakes. He understands that we have difficulties with our own selves. Because sin mars the reality of who we really can be. This past week in our study in Bible school, we studied the beginning part of the book of Acts. And one of the things that impressed me was the fact that Peter, in his denial of Jesus before the crucifixion, denied him three times, you remember, as Jesus predicted. But then you remember when they were together by the sea after his resurrection, before the ascension, what did Jesus do for Peter? He gave him the opportunity three times to say that he loved him, didn't he? Jesus understood Peter's difficulty. Jesus understood Peter's self-loathing. But he also understood that if Peter were to be the witness that he needed him to be in the early church, that he would give him the opportunity to love him. Because Jesus never stopped loving Peter. Why do people lack a proper love for themselves? The story is told in Spain of a father and his teenage son who had a relationship that had become strained. So the son ran away from home. His father, however, began a journey in search of his rebellious son. Finally in Madrid, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in the newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. The next day at noon in front of the newspaper office, 800 Pacos showed up. They were all seeking forgiveness and love from their fathers. Some experience an absence of love in early youth and come to have hostile feelings toward themselves. It is important that a child experience the love of parents or other significant persons. Without realizing what is happening, children may conclude that they are unlovable and worthless because they are deprived of love at a time when affection is as necessary as nourishment. A 
deficiency of affection in early infancy can lead to mental illness and despair later. Children who are raised without parents often believe they were rejected because they were unlovable. Young minds are easily influenced and they need the support of parents. They need to know that they are loved and cared for. I don't mean spoiled. That's a whole other matter. I mean they need to know that you love them and that you care for them. You know, children are a gift from God. I'm reminded of that every time I see one. In Bible school, we are reminded of it in abundance. We have a responsibility to let children know that we care for them and that God cares for them and that He loves them and that we love them. It makes a difference in your children's lives. It matters what you say and what you do. Some lack lack a proper love for self because they were constantly assaulted by insulting criticisms during the formative period in their lives. You know people like that who were criticized as children by their mother or their father and it changes their whole relationship to everybody throughout their entire life. Some form a low opinion of themselves when they compare themselves with others. The Bible says that those who compare themselves with others are not wise. Each of us needs to recognize his or her uniqueness and appreciate it as a gift from God. Don't compare yourselves to others. The world would have us do that though, wouldn't it? I remember years ago when Courtney was just a little girl probably two, three years old, just learning to notice things and to talk. And we had gone to a restaurant in Lynchburg, and in the ladies' bathroom, there were these pictures of these volleyball-playing men, okay, who were just completely perfect, if you know what I mean. And Janet couldn't wait to come out of the bathroom and say to me that Courtney asked, how come our daddy doesn't look like that? Well, he just does it, you know, that's the answer to the question. But we can always find someone who we think looks better than we do. We can always find someone who seems to be more talented than we are. But God loves you for you. And he has something for you to do. If you only will let the Spirit lead you. Some form a low opinion of themselves when they compare themselves with others. Some have a low opinion of self because they labor under the burden of unresolved guilt. Guilt can be a blessing from God or it can be a horrible curse from Satan. When guilt comes from God, it is intended to bring about correction of one's way of thinking and living. Refusing to acknowledge one's personal responsibility for sin leads to a guilt problem that will bring about depression and self-hate down the road. Guilt can destroy you, but God comes to us and says, Bring your burdens to me, and I will take them upon me. Some of us have hated ourselves because we are unwilling to accept God's complete forgiveness of the sins we confess. Some of us have been willing to accept forgiveness but have been unwilling to forgive others and ourselves. 
If you're unwilling to either accept God's forgiveness or grant forgiveness to yourself, it will contribute to self-hate and it may be the result then of self-hatred of others. We can be absolutely certain that our enemy, the devil, will do all that he can to cause us to hate ourselves. The devil is a liar and a deceiver. The name Satan means accuser. It is part of his strategy to cause people to hate themselves. Hating yourself makes it impossible for you to genuinely love God and to love others. And hating yourself leads to paralysis in all that you go to do in life. It clouds everything. And every relationship that you have, if you cannot love yourself. And you see, you may think that everybody else doesn't like you or hate you. But the one thing that you always have going for you is this. God loves you when the world would turn its back on you. Don't you know that people through the years who have taken bold steps for Christ have had to deal with the wrath of the world. The prophets, the disciples, the apostles, all of those who were willing to go all the way with Christ had to suffer at the hands of people who despised them and rejected them and beat them and put them to death. But all throughout the whole thing, they knew that God was with them and loved them. But how can we develop a proper love for self? To properly love ourselves, we need to recognize and respond to the good news that God loves us as sinners, even though He knows all about us. Nothing is hidden from the piercing, penetrating eye of the all-seeing, all-knowing God. No secrets can be hidden from Him. The good news of the gospel is that God loves us and extends His grace and mercy toward us, even though we are sinners. God knows all about us. There's nothing that we can hide from Him. He knows who we are. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that through Him, God forgives us of all our sins and redeems us from the waste of sin. God knows who you are and He wants to redeem you. Stories told of when Winston Churchill was visiting the White House during World War II that as he was getting out of the bathtub, the president came in on him. So there he stood, completely unclothed, in front of the President of the United States. And he said, well, Mr. President, you see all of me now. You know I have nothing to hide. God sees all of us. And if we're hiding from God, then we're fooling ourselves because he can see us. Remember in the garden? When Adam and Eve tried to hide from God, what did he do? He came searching for them, didn't he? And he searches for us as well. The gospel is not good advice. It is good news for sinners. If you would love yourself, try to recognize the height and depth and length and breadth of God's love for you. Accept God's forgiveness and forgive yourself. God can be dependent on to forgive us and to cleanse us from all that separates us from Him. 
By faith, let us accept this tremendous gift. By faith, let us respond to the truth that God holds our sins against us no longer. Let us accept the truth that God has accepted us into His family as His dear children. He only asks us to come to Him. And if possible, make restitution to those whom you have harmed. Zacchaeus sets the example for restitution. Remember, when he came to know Jesus, he restored more than he owed to those he had stolen from. Jesus encouraged his disciples to do all within their power to make things right with those who have something against them. In some institutions, restitution is impossible. At that point, we must be willing to admit our helplessness and trust God to help us do the best we can in the future. Evaluate yourself and accept yourself as God made you. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Accept yourself as God made you. Jesus sought to help people overcome anxiety by encouraging them to evaluate themselves from God's point of view. He urged his disciples to listen to a sermon by the sparrows and to take a lesson from the lilies. The God who loves the birds of the air and the plants of the field loves us and will help us to be what he meant us to be if we will but trust in him today. He also suggests that we accept ourselves Because of the agony of the anxiety will not help us add one inch to our statue or one single hour to the length of our life. Let us guard against looking down on ourselves if we are taller or shorter than we like to be. By God's grace, let us accept and love ourselves as we are and stop worrying about it. You know the old saying, worry is like a rocking chair. Gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. Jesus would say the same thing. He would say, I have accepted you. You are one of my children. Accept yourself. Dedicate yourselves to something bigger than yourself. You see, the person who is wrapped up in in himself makes a mighty small package. If we would truly appreciate and respect ourselves, let us give ourselves to the service of our God and to a ministry of helpfulness to others. Doing so will help us appreciate the person we are. If we only are concerned with ourselves, then we will never understand the love that Christ has for us and for other people because it will never be demonstrated in our lives. Discipline yourself toward a worthy goal in life. The narrow gate of which our Lord speaks is that solemn moment of decision and commitment in which we choose a goal that is worth the expenditure of our time and energy. The daily, voluntary self-control of ourselves toward the achievement of that worthy goal is the road that leads to abundant life in the here and now. The scribe was pleased with Jesus' answer, the scripture says, and added his own conviction that obedience to these commands is far more important with God than any observance in the temple. Jesus said to the scribe then that he wasn't far from the kingdom. Understanding God's love for you can give you a sense of worth and enable you to love yourself and to love others. It's a message we all need to hear. 
There's so many things that go on in the world today that belittle and destroy people and their self-images. But the good news of God in Christ is that He thinks that we were worth saving. He loves us. A little boy came to the Washington Monument and noticed a guard standing by it. The little boy looked up at the guard and said, I want to buy it. The guard stooped down and says, how much do you have? The boy reached into his pocket and pulled out a quarter. The guard said, that's not enough. The boy replied, I thought you would say that. So he pulled out nine cents more. The guard looked down at the boy and said, you need to understand three things. First, 34 cents is not enough. In fact, 34 million is not enough to buy the Washington Monument. Second, the Washington Monument is not for sale. And third, if you are an American citizen, the Washington Monument already belongs to you. We need to understand three things about forgiveness. First, we cannot earn it. Second, it is not for sale. And third, if we accept Christ, we already have it. He forgives us. Sometimes we have trouble forgiving ourselves because we allow the world to crowd out the reality of God's love for us. God loves you. He really loves you. He has proven that love in the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. He continues to manifest that love through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You can demonstrate your love for yourself by making Jesus Christ the Lord of love, the Lord and leader of your life. He invites us all to come. He invites us all to come and to mean it with all your heart. You cannot love others. And you cannot love God in the way that God loves you until you learn to love yourself. Jesus came to save your life because He loves you. The question is, are you willing to let Him save your life Because you love you. Because when you love yourself, then the second commandment is much easier to achieve. And the second, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor. If you don't love yourself. And you can't love yourself. On your own. It comes with the awareness. That God loves you. It makes sense. It matters. God wants what's best for us. But he gives us the choice. How will you choose? Shall we pray? Oh Lord, as we bow before you, we are thankful for these words from this inquisitive scribe.
for he has shown us your love for us. And he asks us to contemplate that love as we love one another. Father, we know that there are people, maybe even in this room, who are, have difficult, who are having difficulty loving themselves. I pray that your spirit will minister to them so that they can understand that you love them. And because you love them, we have within us the ability to love ourselves. Speak to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our hymn of invitation is hymn number 416. Let Jesus come into your heart. If Jesus comes into your heart, then you know of his great love for you. And then you can share that love with others. The invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ as Savior. He loves you and wants to redeem you. Whatever your desires, we stand and sing hymn number 416. Sons of the blood.
Thank you for being a part of this service this morning. Uh, I'm sorry the children get to sing. They sung and some of them sang in the first service, but a little technical difficulty back there and not having what we needed to do that. Um, maybe some of them will come back and sing next week. If you're visiting with us, we're grateful to have you today. And I know that there's some people, some parents here of some of our VBS students, and we're glad that they've come to be with us today. I'm celebrating two anniversaries, one today and one on Tuesday. Today I've been with you eight years, first Sunday in August. So um, I appreciate it. I, had, I remembered it when I came in the door this morning and forgot it. Didn't mention the first service, Dwight. But um, se- several said to me, between the services, happy anniversary. And then, on, and, and, you know, so they remembered it, whether I did or not. But it's been eight years. Some of you, I know that's been a long, long time. Some of you, maybe not so long. But it's good to be with you. And I thank you for allowing me to serve as your pastor. The second anniversary is Janet and I celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary on Tuesday. So um, this is just anniversary week for us. We're going to take a little trip on Tuesday and Wednesday for that. Dwight will be here in the office and... Uh, Uh, He also will be covering our Wednesday morning prayer service, so I'm grateful for him for doing that for us as well. One more thing to tell you, this is Benevolent Sunday. The uh, deacons will be at the door to receive your benevolence offering. Remember, half of our offering is going to MSEF to help them get off the ground with their one-stop shopping place, and that, uh, the best we know, should be open sometime uh, by the latter part or end of September if things come together like they're supposed to, and we're grateful for that, and it will be in the building, uh, not in the uh, the um, part of the building that used to be the Winn-Dixie down where the adult uh, day care center is. Uh, it'll be around the corner there in that building and they will have the clothes and also the food and all that. And so uh, they are dependent on us and I appreciate you responding to that. And uh, you probably will hear a recommendation in the future that we'll just continue to do that because it is a way to help people in uh, Mechanicsville uh, with their needs and certainly it, it meets our mission of what our benevolence is for. But again, thank you for being a part of this service today, and let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart on this day given to us, we do so knowing that we are loved. You have loved us with a love beyond even our comprehension, but because of your love for us, we can love ourselves and one another. And so we pray, Father, that we would lean on this grace and on this mercy As we depart today, bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen.